Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. This is one of my favorite things to to preach about. Um, One of the things I love about the most about the Bible and about God is that he uses people that are unqualified to be used, right? He uses certain people um, throughout the scripture and throughout history, um, chooses people that all of us would look at and be like, man, they're not fit to lead a small group, right? Let alone lead nations or do these big things for God, right? We see, and we see that with Jesus and his disciples where some of them were for fishermen, right? And Jesus was a carpenter and he had to teach these fishermen how to fish because they weren't good at fishing, okay? It's like unqualified men, unqualified women. He used Mary, a young teenager, uneducated to, to birth Jesus. He used Rahab the prostitute to, to, to be a part of this big mission, right? He used um, Paul who hated Jesus, was a Jesus hater and, and, and a Christian killer to bring about the gospel movement. And now we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 12, right? We're, we're in this series, um, in Genesis. We're going to be here for a while, um, but today we're going to look at Abraham, right? Before he was Abraham, he, he was Abram. We're going to look at his um, his story, and if you grew up in the church, you know some things about Abram or, or Abraham, right? You, I bet we can finish the song together. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had so y'all went to church growing up, all right? Y'all were not paying attention or you didn't, either way. All right, that's Father Abraham, right? We, we know Abram. We know um, a little bit about him. We know that God used him to, to start this long lineage of God's chosen people and that through him, God would make this massive covenant and, and use this nation to, to bring about his, his, um, um, his plan of redemption, um, but what I've learned and kind of reminded myself um, during this past couple of weeks studying for this sermon was that, man, Abram, like, he wasn't a big deal. Matter of fact, his family um, left following God and they actually became pagan worshipers. Right, so so Abram, this guy growing up in Ur, which is a pagan society, um, his family were pagan worshipers. They named most of his family members after a moon um, god. Right, here he is, and God in this moment calls to him, calls him to faith, calls him to obedience, and he just says yes. And because of that yes, God does this massive work, this massive movement through this man that we are still um, benefiting from today. And so what I want us to do is we, I I want us to come to this scripture in prayer, because I think a a lot of things that we learn about Abram and his like origin story, really, and his faith um, has a lot to do how we respond to God today. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 12 together. Let's pray. Um, God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for our church family that we can come and and worship with one another. We can um, push each other, encourage each other, call each other out when we need to be called out and encourage when we need to be encouraged. God, we just thank you for the work that you're doing um, in our lives and and, and here in Greenbrier and in Conway. Uh, But God, I know that most of us coming in here today, we all have so many things that we're carrying, whether it be baggage where we just um, are worried about something or we have this massive to-do list and, and all these other 
other things that are pulling our minds um, in different directions. So God, I pray that right now you would help us slow down, um, clear our hearts, clear our minds so that we could hear your word, hear your calling, and we would respond the right way, God. We love you. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Go ahead and find your way to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is what the Lord said to Abram. Go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. All right, so let's just stop for a moment there. Right away, remember who Abram is, right? I just want you to picture this moment. The context is him and his family move out of Ur, this pagan, dark society, all kinds of different things, all kinds of different moral standards, finally gets his family out of there. He's with his dad and all of his relatives and his friends, and they're established in this town called Haran. And then out of nowhere, God calls him and says, hey, now it's time for you to get your family again and leave. Leave your relatives, leave your land, leave everything, and go to the place that I will show you. Well, where is that place? I will eventually show you. Just get up and go. So here's what he's calling him to. Leave your family, leave your country, all your stuff, and at some point just go and I will tell you where to stop. So can you imagine that for a moment? I know some of us in the room, like that, that vagueness terrifies us, right? I just want to see if you're going to be honest. How many of you, when you plan a vacation, you plan every single hour, and this hour, this is how we're going to have fun, and this 30 minutes, we're going to transition to this amount of fun at this hour. How many of you have your whole vacation plan? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. We need people like you in life, all right? And listen, there's like three of you. I bet your vacations are super fun. I bet they are, right? How many of you are the opposite? Like, man, we don't plan. We just show up to the beach and like, we'll just figure it out when we get there. Listen, I bet your vacations are chaotic, right? I'm sure they're fun. And hopefully you don't miss dinner, right? Like you'll eventually get there. But here in this moment, this is what God's calling Abram to do. He's saying, hey, put your faith in me. I want you to leave everything. Go to the land I will eventually tell you where. I just want you to obey. I just want to like leave all the, the false gods, the moon gods, the tree, leave all that stuff behind, leave the idea of your established, leave it all behind and place your full trust in me. And in reality, what God is doing to Abram is what we, he's, he does to us. This is the gospel call to our life that we forsake everything when Jesus calls us that we forsake everything without knowing what the plan is. We just say, yes, that's how the gospel works. Jesus says, if you love anyone, if you love your mother, your father, your, your kids, your own life more than me, then you're not worthy of following me. He says, he says things like, man, whoever, whoever gains or kind of holds on to his life will eventually lose it. But those who follow me, man, you'll save it. This is not just a call to Abram. This is what the gospel calls us to do. It calls us to say yes without knowing what is it on the, what, what's going to happen at the other end of our yes. Without knowing what the, 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 the destination is, without knowing what can we expect, the gospel call is to place our faith in God and obey his word. And here's the deal. When Jesus calls you to something, he doesn't guarantee what it's going to be like. He doesn't guarantee that if you leave this and you say that and you say yes to this, that when you get there, it's going to be the best thing that you ever imagined. He doesn't promise that. Matter of fact, he's like, it's the opposite. Life is always going to be difficult. Life is always going to be hard. But if you obey me, if you go where I'm telling you to go, I promise you this, I will be there with you. 
No matter what is the, the circumstance of that situation, if you go and if you obey, I will be with you. There's no promise of sunshine. There's no promise of peaceful days. But the promise is that when you follow Jesus, you will never be disappointed because he is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Listen to me. Jesus has a plan for your life. And it's a good plan, the Bible says. And I, I don't know what the plan is for you. I'm, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I have him, right? I wish I can just like crystal ball tell you, but that's devil worship, right? Like, but I do know that God has a plan for you. And the plan is to fulfill his purpose with your life. But we have to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of saying, okay, God, yes, I will go, but first, can you tell me what's going to happen? Because really, that's going to determine if I'm really going to say yes or not. We, we have to be careful that we don't go, okay, God, before I go, can you just make sure, can you tell me, like, what's the weather like over there? Like, is it cold? Is it hot, right? Or is it like Arkansas, what's both at the same exact time, right? God, like, when I get over there, like, is, it, is there a good school system for my kids? Like, is there, is, where can I start my business, right? Do they have a target? Because if not, I'm good where I'm at, right? We're close enough to, to Conway. So God, like, I'm, I'm good. Can you just tell me before I say yes? Family, if we're not careful, we can give God a fake yes when he's calling us to save, to, to, to surrender. He, he wants to know, are you going to put your full faith in him without knowing what the outcome is going to be? Are you going to take him at his word or are you going to put strings attached to your yes? Because what I want you to see next, like this is the first step. God just says, trust me. Trust and obey and just go. Right? And here's what he does to Abram, right? We're, we're not Abram. It's a different circumstance. But I want you to see what he does to, to Abram because he gives him all these different assurances um, to, to help him with this yes. And, and I want you to see what they are because they have huge, um, significant impacts on us today. So look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Um, 2, 3, and 4. Oh, sorry, just 2 and 3. He says this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So right off the bat, these are humongous promises that he is making to Abram. Remember that this is not the first time God called someone to walk in obedience and kind of made a covenant deal with them. Remember, a covenant is like, here's my end of the bargain. If you, end up, if you hold up your end of the bargain, these things will happen. So this isn't the first time that God has done that, and, but this one is special. Th this covenant that he's making with Abraham, um, with Abram, isn't just for him, it's for all of us today. This covenant, this deal that he's making, hey, if you walk in obedience, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna make your name great, I'm gonna make you a great nation, and you're gonna bless everybody. Has, um, it, it's really God working out his plan of redemption to save us today. It's, it's the plan that is pushing the gospel forward. The first thing that he tells him is, I'm going to make you a great nation. This, is, this would have been hard for him to hear because we know from context that Abram and his wife, man, they're barren. They cannot have children and they've tried and they've tried and they're, we know that they're about 75 years old at this point. So God telling him, not only are you going to, I'm going to bless you with kids, I'm going to make you a, 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 a nation. He didn't say a people. He said, I'm going to make you a nation. 
Now that blessing is for him and his wife, but it's also the nation that God is going to choose to, to, to use as an example of how great he is, how, how, um, how he'll bless his people, how he'll protect his people. He will, he's, this nation is literally the picture that God uses all throughout the Old Testament to show us who he is and why we need him. And so this blessing is, is, for, is for him, but it's also for, for this great nation, this great people. And then he looks at him again. He says, and not only that, Abram, I'm going to make your name great. Everyone's going to know and celebrate you. To the point in 2024, we're going to sing Father Abraham's song. Right? Still to this day, we are talking about Abraham. So he promises, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to have family. You're going to have a long lineage. Your name is going to be great. He says, I'm going to promise you that I will protect you. If anyone blesses you, I'll bless them. If anyone curses you or treats you wrong, I'm going to smack them down. And it's true. We see it over and over throughout Abraham's life. But this big promise that God is making is actually pointing to the last thing he says to him right here, that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so what I want you to see here is what God is actually doing in this whole picture with Abraham is not just for Abram. It's not just for his family. It's for the bigger picture of his plan to save the world from our sin, to redeem the world and point us straight to Jesus Christ. So what I want you to hear today is that everything that God is doing in your life, yes, it's a blessing for you, but it's not intended just for you. It's like God has this massive movie, and if we're not careful, we will fall into the trap of believing that we are the main character of that movie, and that everything that God does in the universe, universe is just for us. That's not the case. We are sub-characters in this giant movie that God has been writing and playing out, and we barely make the end credits. That's how much it's not about us. So everything that God does, your obedience and you saying yes and God working and moving and blessing and shaping and molding you, yeah, that's for you, but it's actually so that you can take that to somebody else. All the love and the grace and the mercy that you receive, yes, it's for you, but it's so that you can take the gospel and share it with those around you. Our life is not about us. The cool thing about what's going on in our Greenbrier campus, right? We just bought land. Praise God. It's signed. It's sealed. It's done. We're going to, we got to start that whole process. That's amazing, right? That's something to praise about. However, family, we need to be real careful that we don't make that campus about us because that campus isn't for us. That campus is to use as a tool to reach Greenbrier. It's not about us. God's trying to show Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to just be faithful. Just trust me, obey. I'm going to bless you. It's going to be awesome. But the bigger picture is all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. How? This is pointing to the fact that one day through his long lineage as father Abraham, Jesus would be born. He would live on this earth, die on a cross, be buried in the tomb, rise again from the dead so that you and I could have salvation and redemption. That is the bigger picture of what God is doing here. But the cool thing is, is he's inviting us into that big picture. Listen, you have a part to play in God's story. How undeserving that is for us, that God is inviting us in to the mission that he has. 
all these blessings, right? I want you to see how, what God is saying to him. This man, listen, you can't comprehend it, Abraham. You don't see the bigger picture, but, uh, but I want to do a massive work through you. And I want you to see what Galatians chapter three says later in the New Testament, thousands of years later, this is what the New Testament says about this special moment. Galatians three, eight and nine, it says, now the scripture saw in advance. In other words, God already knew what his plan was. God wasn't reacting. He was being aggressive. This was his plan from the very beginning. beginning. Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us today, right? The Gentiles, by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. So this was God's massive plan from the very beginning that the gospel would be presented to Abraham. He would walk in obedience to say yes to God. And then through his lineage, the gospel mission would be played out so that Jesus would be born, die, rise again. Then we would hear the gospel, say yes, and we continue the mission until Jesus comes back. This was the plan from the very beginning. It says, consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. That is the gospel. That is our good news that we place our faith in. That gospel was announced thousands and thousands of years ago to Abram the pagan, who was simply just, um, um, this, was simply had enough faith just to say yes. Do y'all see how big God is right there? Like you can't make that up. Like no man is smart enough to come up with that plan where something is told thousands and thousands of years ago and it play out today. This is how big and, and, and awesome God is. This is how much he loves and cares for you. This is the plan that he has been working out and inviting you in, that God would call Abram to faith and obedience and to go so that he can work out his plan of salvation so that we can be saved from our sins. Now, what I want you to see is, is look at Abram's response to these promises. I want you to see because how he responds has a lot to how we respond today. So let's look at Genesis 12, verse 4. It says this, so Abram went. I mean, is that? Abram went. God said, go, I'll tell you when to stop. I'm going to bless you. And Abram said, okay, I'm all in. No questions, no, well, what about over there? No, it was, he went. As the Lord told him, he went, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. So God called him, he had faith, he obeyed, he went. And, and it's because he experienced God in such a way that all those false gods that he was praying to before, he just threw those things out the window. He gathered his family, he gathered his resources, and took off. Listen, that right there is so counter to our culture, it's not even funny. Because our culture, it celebrates um, bunkering down. Our culture celebrates the idea of, of, of getting the job, getting established, building your family, having the land, having the stuff, and, and, and then leaving that and passing that on to your kids and to your grandkids and to your grandkids, your great-grandkids. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that idea, but actually, biblically, we see that God celebrates something way different. Matter of fact, God celebrates, this is what he says in, in Colossians 3, that he says, seek things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
So what we see celebrating in Scripture and what we see celebrated in in our culture today are two opposite things, where one says bunker down, build up your savings account, and make sure that you and your family are comfortable and and good and you have everything that you need, where God, throughout all of history, says, no, no, if I call you to abandon it, leave it behind. Because it's not worth it. If I'm calling you to something, I promise you I'll provide the idea is that where, 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 where we live life, because our culture in America says live life like this, everything that you have, live like this. God says, no, I want you to live open-handed because if I give you something, I want to be able to take it from you if I, need to, if I need you to let it go. That we live like this. God, whatever it is you've given me, you've blessed me with, you can take it, you can use it. If you want me to go, I'll go. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. God, my life is yours. So what Abram is showing us here is what a life that is fully surrendered looks like. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate him, when we see in the book of Hebrews that he was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. God, everything I have is yours. No holding back, no reserves. I'm hauling. And this, and this uh, next part of the story is my favorite part of, of Abram's, like his origin story, right? What he, what he didn't do is say yes and then like kick a rock, right? Like just waiting God for God to tell him, I like, go to this land, hands in his pockets. He didn't do that. No, no, like he, he got on mission pretty quickly. So look at Genesis 12, look at seven through eight. Skip down. Um, what happens is he's, he's going and, and, and he, he's on his journey with his family, all of his stuff, and, and he finds himself in the land of Canaan, right, which is another pagan society, well-established. There's pagan temples and pagan altars all over the place, and he finds himself there, and, and, and he gets on mission. Look what he says in 7 and 8. So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I give you this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pinched his tent and, and with Bethel on the west and I on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there and he called on the name of the Lord. This is awesome. God, God appears to him, not just in word, but appears to him in all those other false gods and all those other pagan things that he did out the door because God appeared to him and he says, stop, here's Canaan. This is the land I'm gonna give to you and to your offspring. And then Abraham gets on mission. He builds an altar amongst all the other altars that were already there. He builds an altar right there in the middle of um, Canaan, in the middle of Beth, um, Bethel and I. But he says that he stopped after he builds these temples and he proclaimed, he called on the name of Yahweh, the one true Lord. I mean, this was huge. This area was full of pagan worshipers, full of false gods. So here comes Abram and his massive group of people, and he just starts sharing the gospel. He just gets on mission. He starts proclaiming his faith. One of the commentaries that I read said this about this moment. It said that Abraham's entourage was so large that this would have been a very public event. All the locals knew what was happening, that he was aggressively going against the idols of the time. While he proclaimed Yahweh's name, he was extolling God's great attributes and his mighty works. In other hands, Father Abraham, the old pagan, was preaching the gospel. I mean, how awesome is this moment? Living his life on mission, 
This is the faith. This is the lifestyle that God is calling every single believer to live. That we would trust and obey. That we would go where he tells us to go. And on the way there, until the day God calls us home finally, we present, we proclaim, we lift the name of God to those around us. And what I love about Abram, right? God promised him, I'm gonna make your name great. Abram responds to, that's awesome. I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that promise. I'm just gonna let everybody know that you're great, that you're good, that you're changing my life. So he plants the gospel in the middle of this pagan community and calls upon the name of the Lord. And I, I love this. Because what this does is ultimately point us to Jesus and our call to faith in him. When, when Abraham, when it says that he called on the name of the Lord, we see that all through the New Testament. Matter of fact, Romans 10, 13 says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. And, and here's what we know true of Abraham, what we know true of the gospel, and what we know true today is that you and I, we cannot earn our salvation. That it doesn't matter your church attendance or your dollar amount given. It doesn't matter if you're just a good old boy or a good old girl. You don't do that anymore. All those things are really good things, but those things cannot earn your salvation. What does the Bible tell us? Well, in Ephesians, it says that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. That our faith in Jesus is what puts us in right standing with God. But because of that, because of the grace, because of our salvation, we then walk in true surrendered obedience, no matter what it costs us. We leave everything behind. We open our hands and say, God, now my life is yours, not my will, but your will be done. No more reserves, no more bunkering down. God, you call me and I'm all in. We praise, we, we celebrate Abram for his full faith and trust in God and his obedience to go. The picture of surrender that he paints for us. And let me ask you, family, have you done that today? Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? And here's what I mean by that. I, I, I shared an example on Thursday night with our college ministry of this idea of surrender right? I know a lot of you, you, you guys have property that you rent out. One day I want to grow up and, and be that responsible, right? Like, that'd be awesome. I'm trying to grow up. But, but here's like the picture of surrender that we have to wrestle with today. Imagine Jesus comes to you and your life is a rental house, right? And he says, hey, I, I'm interested in renting this. I want it. I want this property. And you look at Jesus and go, man, absolutely. I believe in you. You're the son of God. Absolutely, I have a room right here for you, a hundred bucks a month, but because you're God, $25 a month, it's yours. And, and so you clean that room up to make it look beautiful and amazing. You want it to be right there in the front of the house so that everybody sees that God is with you. But can I tell you something? God isn't interested in just a room in your house. He wants the whole thing. He, he wants the closet where you keep all the stuff that you want no one to see. He wants that drawer that's just full of chaos. He wants the dirty garage. He wants the shed, the backyard. He wants all of it. He's not interested in renting out a space in your life. He wants all of you. That's what surrender is. Surrender isn't, Jesus, I'll give you this, but I'm gonna death grip this part of my life. 
Jesus, I'll, I'll surrender to you, but you have to tell me what's, a, what, what's gonna be in store for me. That's not surrender. That, that's, a, that's a halfway surrender, which is no surrender at all. Listen, Jesus is either the Lord, the boss, the king of your entire life, or he's nothing. No halfway. And so I would ask you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Is every area of your life available to him? Or have you shut doors saying, hey, I'll give you this, but not that. Jesus, I'll go that far, but I'm not going that far. Jesus, just be happy with what I'm giving you. Family, he died for you, every bit of you. And he's calling you to trust in him. What we see with Abraham is that he called on the name of the Lord. And if you've never done that today, know that that's what the Bible says, that whoever calls on him will be saved. So you pray, you say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that you're God. I know that you died and that you rose again for me. I surrender to you. You're the Lord. You're the boss, the king of my life. Jesus, I am yours. You call on the name of the, of the Lord. You call on Jesus. You will be saved. So how do we respond? I'm gonna have Tyler come up. Here's what we learned from Abram's story. That real believers, they walk by faith. No strings attached. They walk by faith. God, you call me, I'm going. I don't need to know what's gonna happen over there. I don't need to know the answers. God, I trust you. I, I'm gonna walk by faith. Real believers walk by faith, but they live by God's word. As they're walking in that faith, they're being obedient to the word of God. The word of God is what establishes every decision that they make. Every thought that they have is, is based on the word of the Lord. Real believers walk by faith, they live by God's word and obedience and they proclaim the word of God to those around them. That as you go, you're letting everybody know, man, God has done a big work in my life. Let me share that with you. Hey, you need to know how good God is. Let me share that with you. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.